0: All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the ears? What the funkadelics? What's happening? Mark Marin, this is my podcast. Welcome to it. Today on the show, James Corden of the Late Late Show. And then before that, <clears throat> I don't know what. That's not true. I did a little research. He's done some other things. But that was one of those situations. It's Interesting as a comedian there's a a few jobs that comedians can do in show business you can do stand-up you can write you can act in a tv show you can host so james corden comes out of nowhere seemingly to host a major talk show and a lot of us were like who the fuck is this guy where the fuck this guy come from now it's not like i was up for the job but you start to think in terms of of jobs available to your peers and at uh, back in the day might have been who's who am I going to be jealous of for getting that job? But now it's just sort of thinking in terms of comics in general. And this guy seemingly came out of nowhere. And a lot of us were like, what, where, who, why? And uh, I talked to him about that. He had a little of that going on himself, as it turns out. Uh, it really was a, a pretty, uh, a pretty great conversation. I enjoyed talking to him. And, you know, that's what you learn. I didn't know anything about him, and we had a blast. We had had a nice chat, interesting guy, interesting background, comes from the part of the world that uh, I'm not that familiar with and always enjoy hearing about. That's why I need to talk to people. It's got nothing to do with this show. I don't know if you people realize that. I need to talk to people so I am engaged in the human process and I'm not falling, let's say, tumbling Tumbling and bouncing down a tunnel of self. Gotta stay out of that one, man. Especially if you've tapped that mine. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. I need to talk. It's not about the show. It's about engaging with other people, and I and I, and I think that some of these talks that I do here help others do that, and I'm happy. I I didn't. I never knew that uh, what has happened is helping in that way. I, I'm, not, I'm not checking in much with current events. I'm, I'm, I'm detached from it. And I guess it's because I don't manage my time properly or because I just honestly don't give a shit. I'd rather have the tactile experience of running my thumb across my fingers in a moment of immediate dark reflection of the temporality of my body and my being. What's Trump up to? Nope, I, I'm going to run my hands along my arm and realize that, wow, I am an animal and I am, I am a physical being and I have to appreciate that and build from there and realize that my experience here on earth is temporary but can be enlightening to myself and others and I could also learn how to give and accept love and move through the world with some grace and purpose that trump's an asshole right fucking hey man what this is a, it's a goddamn circus this election so far i want to feel my feet on the pavement perhaps i'll walk down my driveway with no shoes on and be very aware of the tactile experience of the new cement under my feet and realize i'm a human being on the planet earth with with with, with very little time and i have to make the best of that time Wow. Wow, man. We're in trouble, man. This shit is crazy. Kardashians? That's cr- What? Maybe I'll lay down. I'll lay down on the dirt and just wait. Maybe I'll do that. Hey, um, one thing you might have noticed, folks, about the uh, the clips of Lorne Michaels that we've been playing in preparation for the dropping of the Lorne episode is that pretty much everyone who talks about Lorne has a Lorne Michaels impression. So, as we approach the Lorne Michaels episode of WTF, here is a supercut of many famous people doing their Lorne impressions, all right? So enjoy this, and I'll talk to you on the other side of it. You could have eight SNL folks in a row, and they would all do a bad impression of them. Do you talk to him now? Yeah. Oh, you do?
1: Yeah. We're, you know, we're, we're friends.
0: Oh yeah? Yeah. Like he'll call and like, hello.
1: He's like, hello. Hello. He's like, he's like, are you watching Jersey Shore? in this season. I think that Snooki's really made a change.
0: I realize, oh, he, I've got the gig. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm so shocked that I don't, I don't react with any excitement. <laughs> yeah. And then we stand up and I go, oh, well, gosh, thank you. I, I'm going to shake your hand because i didn't know he's like do whatever you have to do uh lorne says from his throne on high the moment at the end of that sketch that's the moment you became a star i wasn't on the air for the next four weeks like i'm like if there's a lady and a dude like what are we making fun of local news what the Uh, fuck is that he's like no no he's like you'll be he had some crazy he goes like you'll be a fred astaire and She'll be ginger. You'll, like, you know, give her the sex, the like, comedy, and she'll give you the sex. And I was like, the dancers? What? I, mean, I didn't know what he was fucking talking about. <laughs> yeah. The guy would be a monster news anchor. Oh, my God. I really feel that way, Lauren. And he's like, no, that's pretty much the feedback I get from everyone. And so then I call.
1: Uh, Hello. I was like, hi, Lauren. How you doing? Um, so we want to move you into the cast. Great. Uh uh,
0: uh, when uh, Monday. <laughs> so you know, just you know, when it comes time to write, just write something you think you can score on. And we walked in, and he started telling me this, and he went, "So you're moving to California?" <laughs> and I said, "Yes." And he went, <laughs> <laughs> like he just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> he just—that's what he did. He went, <laughs> 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 and I was like, "Yeah, you know, it's just been." Great working here, and then I think it's just you know, and he was like, no, oh, you know, I get it, and and you have kids, and you know, and you have to, you know, he was, but you know, they have backyards in Westchester too. So we got the sketch. He goes, Wayne's World.
1: Lauren looks around. He goes, Do we really want to read it? And I went in my hand. I went, Hell yeah! <laughs> like this as a joke, yeah. And then he looked up at me and sort
0: of like, mm-hmm. Be ready. You know, this table will kill you.
1: It's fascinating to watch when someone's like, I'm not going to do that sketch. Uh-huh. He's like, no, I know you're not. And when you do it, it will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and the person's like, no, I, I know, but I'm not going to do it. And he's like, you're not doing it, nor should you. But I think when you find yourself doing it, you're going to end up doing it. <laughs> it's amazing. He's incredibly persuasive.
0: That was entertaining. Yes. Yes, it was. And folks, I promise you, I promise you, you will hear the real Lorne, the real Lorne Michaels on WTF talking to me very soon. All the stuff I've been talking about for six years is finally coming to a head, my friends. Yes. What will happen after that? Who knows? I will try to move my vessel of blood, muscle and bone through time with grace and purpose. I got an email from a trainer in my neighborhood, and I'm going to take the chance. I'm going to make the leap of faith, and I'm going to go train, and I'm going to make my vessel perfect. Or I'm just going to feel better. This perfection thing's overrated. I was perfect for like 30 seconds yesterday and uh, didn't enjoy it. Did not enjoy it. The music you're about to hear, folks, is by Kelly Pratt, who also makes music under the name Bright Moments. Uh, He sent this to us, and we thought it was pretty cool. So uh, enjoy this. All right, right now we are going to talk to an actor who is now the the host of The Late Late Show. It's on weeknights at 1230 a.m. on CBS. I was on it. Uh, with Jason Segel and Carl Reiner. I will be on it again at some point, I imagine. But this is me and James Corden. (laughs) It's weird because, like, in the States, I don't know how it feels for a guy who grew up in Britain that, I mean, like, it seems when you're in Britain, like, you know, once you get out of the cities, you're like, wow, it's really fucking beautiful. And yes, and here everything's different, and expectations. I really wonder what uh, what people's experiences versus their expectations. Like, how much have you traveled here?
1: Uh, well, uh, a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I lived in New York for. I've lived in
1: New York at two points in my life. Sort of one for six months, one for yeah. sort of seven and a half months, and that was great. And then living here and then the only other place I've really been is like Florida. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Going to like Disney World. With the so, uh No, when I was a kid. So oh really? So I haven't been back for a very long time but uh, yeah, when I was like so 16, 17, or it's, Yeah, it's there. funny
0: because even when I think of like just generalizing, like Florida as a place, it's sort of like there's there's a hundred city, there's a hundred different well, types it, of place there. Well, that's the thing. So I've been to
1: Orlando. Oh, so. I haven't been anywhere. Oh, else. you've got it really experienced oh, yeah. Florida. Oh, I've really seen. Yeah.
0: I really feel like I know it as go, a place. Go up north to the southern. <laughs> as you go north in Florida, it actually comes more southern. Yes, in in in, uh, in disposition.
1: But, but the weirdest thing yeah. about when you arrive. I can remember so vividly the first time I came to L.A. I came here. How old were you? uh, I was, what would I have been, like 27? For show business? Well, uh, what happened was I had gone through quite a bad breakup with a girlfriend. Yeah. And um, my agent had said, oh, they want to put you on tape for this thing. And I was so sort of lost. Do you remember what it was? At home. It was, um, oh, I do. It was the Jay Roach film with Zach Galifianakis and Paul Rudd uh, that was based on the French movie.
0: Was it the, uh, was it the Institution movie? No. no oh, I don't remember. No, it
1: was based, really famous, based on a French film, ah, Dinner for Schmucks. Oh, right. Okay, there it is. Okay. so
0: said I wouldn't go see that movie just based on the billboards. Sure, I like well, I,
1: well, I didn't go and see it, what but I did audition title. for it. Yeah, right. but at the time, yeah. when it's Sick like deal. Paul Rudd, sure. Steve Carell, Jay Roach, who I love, so... And I read it, and anyway, I was like, I'm not going to get this. They're going This is a part that's written for Zach Galifianakis, clearly. Oh, it was that part. Oh, 100%. And yeah. I was like, "This is oh, like he should 100% play this role. No, 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 they want to see everyone. They're really like that. They brought you in to pressure Zach.
0: That's well, <laughs> I don't know that that's true, but
1: I went and auditioned. I said to Jay Roach at the time, I was like, so you're just seeing people in case Zach Galifianakis can't do this, right? And he was like, no, abs- absolutely not. About... Two years after that, he came or three years after that, he came to see me in a play in New York and had forgotten that we'd met. Yeah. And I said, oh, you don't remember. I came in and auditioned for you um, and you told me. And I said to you, you're seeing people in case Jack, Zach Galifianakis can't do this. And he went, yeah, yeah, that's what was happening. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But he had forgotten all about it. But anyway, I came to L.A. You're shattered. I was not in the best state of mind. And I came to L.A. and I remember thinking, saying to me, oh, so where's the middle? <laughs> no where's middle. the
0: middle bit? N- where, where's where the it center? All, yeah, where's the central yeah. thing?
1: And, and, and when you realize there isn't one, and when you realize essentially Los Angeles isn't really a city, it's a collection of disparate towns, mm-hmm. then you just go, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to find the town yeah, where me the town and my yeah. family will be happiest in. And um and so now I feel that I'm very much enjoying it. I'm enjoying living. But
0: you're a beach guy, so you decided on the beach. Well,
1: I don't know if I am a beach guy, but my wife would like us to be a beach family. Uh-huh. I don't think I'm a
0: beach guy. Like, do you uh, do you not get a lot of beach in Britain? Well, you don't get a lot of sun in Britain. No, yeah, know. So... But there is there's water. You're surrounded by water a bit, right?
1: Yeah, but you But it's no there's no sun, so it's just it's just cold. It's like a it's, sad beach. It's a coldness you never experience here, like. The other day, when it rained here, <laughs> when it rains here, I am fascinated by the whole. Place. Oh, people freak out. It it's, might as well be snow. It's amazing oh, yeah. how much people are like sliding. Their cars are sliding. <laughs> people are like they don't understand what to do with their yeah, yeah. wipers on the car. There's like the news. Yeah, just becomes all about rain. Sure. Oh my god! It's raining. Stay. Wash away. Evacuate your house. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what do we do? Yeah. If if we had the rain that you had here at home, I on I promise you, my dad would be like, we should have a barbecue. This <laughs> yeah. weather is perfect. This perfect. weather is
0: terrific. Nice to you cook know. outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where'd you grow up in Britain, though?
1: I grew up in a very small town called High Wycombe which is uh, in between... If you head out of London towards Oxford, Mm. it's about an hour outside of London. Yeah. In a valley.
0: Yeah. So it's pretty.
1: Um, It's surrounded by prettiness. (laughs) The actual town of High Wycombe is quite a... It's painfully ordinary. Uh I mean, and and I... You know, there's... It it is... Like you could drive
0: through it and not notice anything?
1: The High Street is the same as any other High Street in any other town in Britain. The... It, it's yeah but how'd you end a, up there well my dad was in the royal air force so was a musician and was based in a place called uxbridge which was sort of close to london and he was very adamant that he didn't want us to grow up on the air force base he right. didn't think that that was a particularly so he was a lifer uh he was in it where well, he's a musician for 26 years in the in air, force. air force what does a
0: musician in the air force do
1: well, they play at all the big ceremonies and things like that. So and even, then, like
0: even of all sizes, like even if it's a smaller ceremony, they, he's on contract in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're in the band. But then he went to the first Gulf War. He went to the first Gulf War. His, what did he play? Saxophone. Broke sax? <laughs> yeah, no, they went as stretcher bearers. The and, musicians did. Yeah, they went as stretcher bearers and they didn't. they didn't, you know, nothing really happened, but they were there. It was incredibly traumatic for us, but... My dad was like they were. They were essentially just sat
0: around, not really doing anything. So that was the. So that was when the coalition was formed and Britain stepped in. They sent some musicians down to yes. carry stretchers. Yes. And, and the war was sort of a bust in a way. Well,
1: it, yeah, the war didn't really. I mean, nothing. Like it was so strange because I, I can remember my
0: dad it's horrible. Saying, they bombed the shit out of the place, but there was not a ground war really.
1: There wasn't. Well, where my dad was stationed, he was in Bahrain, and nothing really. Happened, and he said he can remember that one. Someone got appendicitis, uh, and all of these medics just rushed into this. You know, go, go, go! You know, like he's like he's got
0: appendicitis. He's going to be okay. But um but there was, was a panic in the family, huh? Because he was. like, Oh, well, it uh, was
1: horrible for us. He was away like six months. I remember it so vividly. And how just old were you? Like eleven.
0: So, in your mind, it was just he's gone to war.
1: Of course, yeah, and. and and it's so strange if you if I think back to that time where it was just inconceivable, like my dad said when he signed up to the Air Force, yeah, it was inconceivable to him that there would even be another war ever that, 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 that war would ever be something that would ever that we would do ever again.
0: That was optimistic.
1: Well, that's the thing, and then yeah. you think about it now, and yeah. you just think, well, I don't know when there won't be. You know, well, they, they've
0: changed the business model. Of yeah, the war. it's very, it's, <laughs> it's so it,
1: strange. Like yeah, you're just, not, you're not really fighting countries anymore. You're yeah. fighting, you know, ideologies. Groups. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very very. And you just throw strange. a coalition
0: together, and you know the, that's how the business operates now. Let's yeah. a small coalition together of a bunch of people from different armies and go deal with this problem.
1: Yeah, I, I can't really. Yeah, get my head around it. If I think about it too long, I I, I really can't
0: Was it, it What kind of sax player was he? Was he good? Jazz. He was a big jazz sax player. So was he good? Yeah, really good. Is he still around?
1: Oh, yeah. He's played on... When he came over, when we launched the show, he played with the band a couple of nights. Oh, yeah? And he absolutely loved it. I've never really seen him as happy because now he's a Christian book salesman. What? He sells the Bible and Christian CDs and things like Door-to-door that. Door-to-door or what? Uh, no, two... Um, to Christian bookshops that's very Britain. specific very very <laughs> specific and uh, you know how did you get into that racket well he is a well him and my mother are both Christians and we grew up in the Salvation Army and then um, what does
0: that mean the Salvation Army. I know what the Salvation Army is, yes. but here it's sort of where you drop your clothes off that you don't want anymore.
1: Well, this is the this is the common misconception that the Salvation Army is a charity, and actually, it's a church first and a charity second. So, was it started in Britain? Uh, yes, a man called William Booth started the Salvation Army in M- Britain. What yeah. was the angle? So, it's an actual church. The angle was that this guy William Booth saw that basically that the, uh, that churches were becoming elitist places that weren't. Um, that weren't welcoming uh, the poor or the marginalised or, or, or people around yeah. Tanzania and so he, um, yeah, he would, he, he would, uh, he, he did. The, he started a new movement where they would wear a uniform and they would march through the town, and he would say, "All are welcome here, and all should come here and be uh, and are welcome in this church." And they would go and feed and the homeless. They had a church. They had a church. He said, "This will also be a charity where people will go and feed, feed the homeless." Bring your clothes, we'll clothe people, we'll do things like that. And that's where, yeah. We so it was, it
0: was actually, um, right, it was a well intentioned, sort of um, honest Christianity. Buy the book for all people, take care of the poor.
1: Yeah, well, that's what it was. And then oddly, that's kind of why my parents left recently. They left when I was about 18, 19. They left the Salvation Army because they didn't feel that that was what it was anymore. I'd they gotten- felt like it had become. Again, quite an elite... Like my mother's a social worker, my sister's a social worker, my dad's a Christian book salesman. So they have a very much a. Uh, so they they're ha- helping people. They want to, and yeah. and they and I. Th- I think, yes, they 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 the re- they left the Savage Army and joined a church, which was actually at a meets in a school at the end of our road because they they feel like uh, churches shouldn't be. They thought church should be places that help people. I think
0: that's interesting. I because yeah, the, my sense of the Salvation Army is that they, you know, they're ringing bells on the street. Yeah, at Christmas sometimes yes. there's a Santa involved. Yes.
1: Yeah, and the Christmas used- caroling. I would go and do that every Saturday. Every so that was- Saturday morning, I would go and play the trumpet in uh, a little town near us called Marlow, and we would stand on a. A roundabout in between a junction, <laughs> yeah. and just play um, Christmas carols.
0: It, yeah. Was that the that was your introduction into show business?
1: <laughs> well, the Salvation <sandwich laughs> only was my introduction to show business. It didn't feel like much. It didn't feel like it was show business in the middle of a, yeah,
0: of, a I mean, yeah, of
1: a turning circle, just uh, you know playing Silent Night on a how trumpet. How
0: many kids were usually involved in that?
1: It would be like about seven or eight of us. Oh, just
0: oh, so it's it sort of sad. It was a sad. Oh, it discourse. was
1: tragic, and you take. <laughs> Yeah. You'd take a cup of tea with you mm-hmm. and you'd put your mouthpiece in the tea because it was so cold. You were worried that. I mean, I just don't even. If looking back now, it was actually torture.
0: You were doing God's work, man. Well,
1: were we? I don't know.
0: <laughs> so, uh, well, that's interesting because uh, I, I don't know that. Of course, I didn't know that about the Salvation Army, but they've always been. There's something about practical Christianity that's sort of uh, uh, impressive. As opposed to, you know, just sort of like passive Christianity. You belong to a church. It's a community thing. It's a social thing. But they seem like their hearts are in the right place.
1: Well, it's a weird thing. My dad always says, whenever I sort of t- talk to him about, you know, various different things, he just says, you've got these. He says, you have to remember that churches are groups of people. And wherever there are groups of people, there are going to be huge mistakes. <laughs> yeah, and he just says, uh, <laughs> you know, funny. and 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 uh, and he just says, yeah, I mean, like sometimes I'll say to him, you know, what if this is all just, like, what if this is just all just not
0: true in any way? Right? Religion. Religion. Sure. Just not true. Now, is this a conversation you had last week? We've had it a few times
1: and I go, <laughs> I go, what if this is just not like you die yeah, and you get wherever you're going and it just wasn't the case. Yeah. None of this. Everything. Or nothing happened. Everything you've believed in. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I go. How are you going to feel? Yeah. And he goes. Well, do you know what? He goes. I've had a great life. Uh uh-huh. huh. I'm proud of all three of my children. I'm proud of the relationship I've got with your mother. I've travelled. I've, I've done here and I've lived the life I'm proud of, and I've lived the life I've wanted to live. And then he goes. But what if I'm right, and you get there? He goes. Spend a bit of time thinking about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: he just turns it around. And
0: for a split second, you do go, oh, oh yeah. I <laughs> but, that, but that's like sort of perfect in, in terms of, uh, you know, I, I think that having a righteous life and being able to uh, own that and take responsibility for it and, and be uh, uh, kind of, um, you know, satisfied, it's such a tricky thing. It's a very difficult thing.
1: Well, also, I think the, the biggest trick is, you know, like that there. There are many people who will talk about being Christians and yeah. talk about church and faith. Who there is there and there and when you when you just scratch past the surface, there is very little of their life which is remotely uh, Christian in any way. If sure. anything, they're just joining a club. Whereas, you know, like whenever people say to me about my parents, oh, you that's a Christian, we say the Christians. I go, no, 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 yeah, but they're good Christians. Yeah. like they're really nice. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're like, they're really cool with yeah. whatever you want to do. Right? There, there's no sense of. Uh, I, I, you know, and, and I'm I'm very proud of them for that. That there's not any form of judgment or uh, you know, wanting to impress any of their. But it, of but also, it,
0: it seems that one way or the other, your entire family. I mean, I, I'm not outside of you. Perhaps you've framed your particular trajectory as as service. But it seems <laughs> well, no is the answer. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like they've led uh they lead lives of service um, uh I,
1: yeah I, th- I mean i hope yeah th- yes i think so I mean, yeah, social very, workers yeah and, very definitely my mum, you know being a social worker my my younger sister being a social that's worker, an insane job dude it's, it's a relentless crazy and it's thankless and it's um painful and i didn't realize growing up quite how um quite what my mum's life was when she was going to work and then coming home and then just you know me just moaning about what we're having for dinner or whatever. And she's
0: just spent the day dealing and with she, drug addicts and domestic abusers yeah, and taking
1: children into care and separating children from oh, b- yeah. sisters from brothers in families where they're worried that the father may be this that you know yeah. it's it is it,
0: just a, a different when did you gain uh, the appreciation when when did it sort of dawn on you that like oh my god (laughs) well i remember when i tell you
1: one thing i do remember is um our school we had um we do have this thing i don't know if this happens at school here i think called the harvest festival
0: no that does not happen here it's ridiculous right maybe something like it happens it's, it's,
1: it's, it's a harvest festival where basically you have to bring in, like, tins of soup and tuna fish or something. Oh, yeah, we get that. And you come in. Yeah, whatever. And then, and anyway, and the Harvest Festival this year, and we were doing what we were going to do in honour of the Harvest Festival, we're going to walk around our little village in the school in costume. And uh, so different people said, oh, you guys are going to be cows, and you guys are going to be sheep. And I was put in a group, like six of us, as... um, Uh, Squirrels, right? Uh You guys are going to be another show business story. Yes, well, and I'm about, I'm about sort of seven, eight at this time. Squirrels, yeah. So I do that thing that you do. Squirrel. I just came home and went, um, "Hey, Mum, in two weeks' time, the Harvest Festival is doing this thing, and I need need to be a squirrel, okay?" And Mum's like, "Yeah, okay, got it." She's going to make the costume. I presume. That my saying that means that my mum knows exactly what to do and build a squirrel costume. Yeah. So Sunday night before the Monday, I come home and go, "Hey mum, um, what's the what's the deal on this squirrel costume?" And I her her eyes looked looked in a way that just said, "I oh you know oh my goodness I have no idea I suddenly ringing bells right." So there's nothing. No no shops are open. It's eight p.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. So I went to school. In a brown jumper, Uh a brown sweater, um, a pair of my sister's brown leggings. Like tights. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My regular sneakers. (laughs) And then my mum stuffed cotton wool and two pairs of rolled up jeans into a pair of her tights and safety pinned it on my ass that was it that was my squirrel costume so I just basically looked like I had a huge turd just hanging off me while I'm wearing a pair of skin tight leggings yeah I get to school and there's some kids have got like wire bushy tails that are up they've got like paws makeup everything I had nothing, zero nothing. Yeah. To the point it was that tragic that even the bullies yeah. were like, "Oh, his mum has really <laughs> done him over there. His mum has just." <laughs> so, I uh, and I remember walking, so we walk around the town, it all splits open. So I'm as it walks back, I've got torn a torn pair of tights hanging off my ass. I'm holding two pairs of jeans under my arms and there's just balls of cotton wool. <laughs> All just following me on the floor. <laughs> and I saw my mum who had come home from work and was stood on the road. And she looked so sad. <laughs> and I can remember, I got really upset when I got so yeah. like, oh, <laughs> yeah. so back. to And I remember the teacher saying, you will realise one day what your mum has done today. And you'll realise the work that she does. And you... and and this won't be a thing. She was wrong. It very much is. It scarred me for life. But, you know, it does play on
0: your mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting when you have these, you don't quite see your parents as people for a long, sometimes forever, you, you know. It, it, yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, I'd certainly my having children has made me realize, you know, you'll just go, oh my goodness, you really. It's a chore. Yeah. <laughs> like Wow. And are You've are got you? two i have two children my son is four and my daughter's 11 months yeah oh you got a baby so you're not even sleeping really we are now she's sleeping through but we moved to america when she was five weeks old so oh my god she's yeah. like fresh
0: out of the oven there yeah 100 percent, and just tough like you know and then just trying to launch the show and things like that but it was yeah well, let's get back to, let's go back there mm. so your parents i mean i have to assume that on some level that your father was a musician he had dreams
1: uh, well, I think my dad's dreams mainly were to get out of the house that he was growing up in. Mostly, he was joined bad? the air force. Yeah, it wasn't good at all, and joined the air force when he was sixteen. Is he from a uh, big city? Uh, no, he's from well, he's from a small. He was from Stoke on Trent in the Midlands. Yeah, so yeah, right in the middle of Britain. Is yeah, where from yeah, Every, everything sounds like um, Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. Well, he was even from. I'm saying Stoke on Trent. He was actually from, and you'll like this one. You talks her ah, Yeah, right. which
0: does sound like it's somewhere <laughs> yeah. It sounds terrific. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, down in middle earth. Maybe evil. Maybe some there's a battle of good and evil going on Mr.
1: there Mr. Frodo, we gotta go through Eutoxiter.
0: <laughs> come on, let's do it. You weren't in any of those movies, were you? I wasn't.
1: I did or aud- I did audition for Sam Ganges. Yeah. Oh yeah?
0: Yeah, I did, yeah. I love but four audition. How how did you come upon um performing?
1: Because I just, I just you weren't
0: a great squirrel, and that I wasn't your just fault. Just terrible
1: squirrel. But. I just don't remember a time. I honestly don't remember a time where it, it, it wasn't what I wanted to do. I, I cannot I cannot remember. I didn't want to be a soccer player. I didn't want to be... You have soccer, though. I do, but, I mean, luckily, that was never something that I wanted to do. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do... There was just nothing else. I just wanted to perform and sh- and show off really
0: what was your original sort of um idea like did you sing did you i mean
1: i just wanted to do it i wanted to do it all i loved singing i loved dancing i, I loved acting i i love uh sort of showmanship if you like what was the I- first
0: I- time you did it
1: um well i, I remember i used to do impressions who'd you do well no one that, look, people like people like michael barrymore and Scylla black who you wouldn't know yeah, I'm, don't i think. don't but i mean, like but it doesn't mean i don't
0: have a lot of fans in england
1: yes or like bruce Forsyth. good game good game <laughs> yeah. yeah nice to see you to see you in the audience would go nice and uh, so i would do see, that i don't know who that is but you know. i enjoyed that impression a lot. <laughs> and i would do a lot of that and and um at school, and at school, at the Salvation Army on a Sunday, I would, I would do do little bits. But just, would you
0: do uh, in front of people? You'd be like, "Now here's my son." Your mom would, and you do it in front of the audience at Salvation Army, or, uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I honestly can't put my finger
1: on like when or 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 a time. I just cannot remember a time when yeah. I didn't want to do this. And I can remember we would have this careers lady coming to our school. Where she would talk about careers and what you're going to do and things, and I would say I'm going to be an actor, and she'd say, "Well, no, you'd like to be an actor, but you've got to have something to fall back on." And I'd say, "Well, no, because <laughs> if you're just you're just contemplating any form of just failure, a hobby. Yeah. like this th- th-
0: this is this is what I'm going to do. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever thought about it like that. That because like I always sort of I I know that you're compelled." And you get it in your head, and that's what you're going to do. And and some people, for whatever reason, have the fortitude to throw their life away and do that. Yeah. And sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. But I never really. I I always saw it like if you have a plan B, you're just a hobbyist, or you're you're. But but to frame it sort of like, well, that's that's actually setting yourself up for failure.
1: Yeah. Well, I also think it depends on what you think. Um, what you consider to be making it, yeah. Like. For me, like, just the doing it is the reward. That that's true? it. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, whether it's like, I feel like if you if you say you want you want to be an actor, yeah, and you you want to be an actor and you can eat, yeah, and you can live, yeah, then, then that's that's it. Like you're you've
0: you've done it. You're like, earning an honest dollar in a way.
1: Well, if yeah, making just, a living. Just if you can get by yeah. and act, yeah. Like, then it's. You're, you're just one of the lucky ones. Right. You just don't have to. Because it's. If it's something that you truly love doing, then you're never really in a position where you're just. I don't know. Working as, as an insurance salesman with a sure. dream of being an actor, you know, because you think, well. And, and that's. That's the that's the thing I think.
0: But that's funny because like sometimes you know, given what I've gone through, I mean, obviously our careers are much different. But it, you know, when I hear people that say that, like, "Oh, I always wanted to do that," there's part of me that thinks, like, "You're probably lucky you didn't, you know, embark." You know, like there, it's not that I envy their stability, but th- there's something about living with the yearning or the heartbreak of not pursuing a dream, but having an okay life that that as you get all along in this business and you see how heartbreaking it can be for some people where you're like you might you might have made the right choice you, yeah
1: absolutely but because also you you know you you do have to be talented and that's There's that that's the, that's the truth you do have to have an ability to do it so if you've got an ability to do it like i i just always believe that that and maybe, maybe stupidly and foolishly, that, that true talent, raw talent, mm. absolute talent will always get a shot. I, th- I, I it, like to believe whether that. Whether it works out or not, whether the stars align yeah. after that right. moment, who knows? But like actual raw talent will always get a.
0: Sh- right, if it doesn't destroy itself before it gets its opportunity well there is that yeah. yeah and also like you know i think that uh that at some point as a talented person you have to realize you know what your talents are i think that helps that you know like i i know what i can do and i know what i might not be able i know what i'm right for and what yes. i can handle
1: well that's that's the truth i mean because yeah and that and that can be quite a hard thing at times, to learn to go oh okay i yeah of course love to be Daniel (laughs) Day-Lewis but I I don't know if I've got the (laughs) necessary intensity (laughs) to really fully (laughs) commit 13 hours a day to being (laughs) President Lincoln (laughs) but at the same time I don't know that he would be able to do this over here. You know what I mean? Yeah, like sure. you just got to. Go I like, like that a, the
0: second half of it is like yeah, he couldn't do it. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't <laughs> he do host a, a talk show. He couldn't do a, a, a sketch. Yeah. You know what I yeah, yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I'd
1: love to see him. How much would you love to see Daniel Day-Lewis in a comedy? It'd be great. Because like, I just, I've got. A, I just think he'd be amazing. Did you grow up looking up to that guy? Uh, like who were your guys? No, of course, like, um, the big one for me was a, a guy. I, I don't know if you'd have heard of, but he is a. a I mean, just. For my money, one of the greatest comedy actors I can remember is a man called Ronnie Barker, Uh who was in um, a sketch duo called The Two Ronnies. Uh He then did... uh, He had a hit rate, which was phenomenal. He was in The Two Ronnies, which was, at the time, the biggest sketch show on television. And then he did a... um, He also had a sitcom called Porridge, Uh uh, which was written by Dick Clement and Ian Lafrené, which was just, I mean... Gob smackingly brilliant sitcom. Ronnie Barker's his name? Ronnie Barker. And then he was also in another sitcom called Open All Hours. Where he uh, we, and, and was like astonishing. And then he just quit and ran an antique shop. I, I have respect for that. He just went, I'm done actually. <laughs> I'm actually done. I don't I'm and, and I and I just and he and he opened an anti-got, he was interested in antiques. And he opened an antique shop, and that was it. And then, did you go to the antique shop? No, 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 because he he died a, a, quite a while ago. But he um, he was absolutely he was almost he almost got coaxed out of retirement by Trevor Nunn to play um, Falstaff in Henry V at the mm-hmm. National. Which, if I think about it. A, might be the most dream casting I could ever imagine. But but him I looked up to, I was really a huge fan of his. Rowan Atkinson, um Jim Carrey. Yeah. I saw Jim Carrey the other day in a Whole Foods and I don't remember the last time that I just, like, lost my shit. Yeah. I just, like, I genuinely couldn't... He was walking towards me and I just froze... In a way that clearly Jim Carrey is used to seeing people freeze, and he went, "Hey man," and I went, "I just think you're amazing." (laughs) And then he walked off, and he was in the queue, and I was going to my wife. She was like, "You okay?" I was like, "It's Jim Carrey." And she was like, "All right, but hold it together. He's right. (laughs) He's literally eight feet away from you." And I was going, and I actually went to her. I don't care. That's Jim (laughs) Carrey, (laughs) and pointed in his face, and he looked at me like. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. But um Did he know you? Well, there was a there was an air of Oh, I've seen your face before. I don't think he would have ever thought, Oh, there's James Corton. Right. I don't think he thought that, but I I think he greeted me in a way that was as if to say, Oh I recognize your face from a thing, yeah, and uh, yeah, but like, yeah, he was. Was that
0: disappointing? Like, I, I do a
1: no, it wasn't at all. I, I, I'm, I never expect anyone to have seen a second of our show. But,
0: but, but, but that's sort of weird because the difference between you and me in that situation would be like, oh, and I would be like, hey, do you uh have any interest in you know maybe talking? I do a thing you, you didn't well, yeah
1: but then but then see but uh, like i think if i had a podcast like you do now then then because this is such a informal atmosphere this right. is such a nice thing to do right i don't know that you know that there, this is such a a, a joyously unpressurized right. environment right um and actually saying to someone do you want to come on the late late show on cbs yes. is a very very different <laughs> question that's true whereas actually you saying oh i have a podcast which is hugely popular. Right. The President of the United States came on it and I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. There's an air of, uh, oh, wow. You'd like to talk to me? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And I don't know that that happens on a, on a talk show that's on, you know, four Okay, so week. which Whole Foods? Was it you? was Brentwood. <laughs> Brentwood Whole Foods. Don't go back. I've been every night <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: wearing a Late Late Show with James Corden t-shirt. I haven't seen him. Have you tried to get him on? Uh, you no, don't. I don't, you know. Would I you just bookers? Just, like, of course. But I'm not going to go. Oh, can you try and book Jim Carrey? I saw him in Whole Foods last night. Why not? Well, I'd write to him first. I mean, that's what we've done with like the the, the sort of you know the the bigger people that we've had on. The you
0: show. write to him personally?
1: Well, well, we yeah we like you know to get like Stevie Wonder and stuff like that. We just you know you just that that sort of mission started. Back in like, like June fifth, right. Started,
0: so the bookers so. start reaching out. Well,
1: yeah. Or well, we, you know, we reached out. And we knew someone who knew someone, and just things like that.
0: You know. But so, so you book your show much the way I book mine. That's hilarious. Pretty like much. That. Yeah. Well, so no, because
1: then there's there's other there's other we have, no we have we have an amazing booking department, but like sometimes when well, you're going a, after like Stevie Wonder, but I use
0: bookers. But I mean, yeah, but yeah. So, have you ever had that situation where they say, uh, "Could you write a personal letter? I think it would make a difference if mm. you if you reach out personally."
1: And it's still a no. That's the <laughs> worst one. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, the gracious weather, this would right? make a real difference, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be a no on that, maybe next time. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> it's not what it used to be, show business.
1: <laughs> so, what, did you go to acting school? I didn't, no, I was at uh, I left school, um, at 16 and I started, I went to college for a year to do a performing arts B Tech thing. What's that? And well, then, B-tech, uh, what is that? Uh, it's like a national diploma so the oh. idea is you would do that mm-hmm. then start then then go to apply for drama school go to drama school get an mm. age oh, right, right. but i um <clears throat> i had signed up with like a, a a local i used to go to an after school stage school in High Wycombe, um where they had a, a a real great time i mean it's it's an amazing stage school now and and is a much bigger thing than when when i was there but There was a there was a little period where there was myself, and then a few years below me was Eddie Redmayne, and then a few years below him was uh, Aaron Johnson, uh, the actor Aaron Ted Johnson. So we were, um, and like so, you know, like Eddie and I would be in like these sort of end of year things where I would sing like "Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat," and then Eddie would sing like "We're Walking in the Air" from the Snowman and stuff, and uh, and so I was doing I was in 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 this BTEC National Diploma, and I got. I got offered a part in a musical in the West End that I auditioned for, uh, called Martin Gare that was written by the guys who wrote in The Miserable and Miss Saigon. And um, how they find you? And of course, I just well, I was with this stage school, and they had an agency. So I spent pretty much my whole school life between the age of like twelve and sixteen, just auditioning for anything that I could audition for, and I didn't get one job.
0: So they had an agency that worked with the company. So
1: it was part of the stage
0: school, oh, yeah. And now, when you saw Eddie Redmayne uh, as a kid, yes. were you like that guy's? good
1: well he was great yeah i mean the greatest thing i could say about eddie is he feels very much he feels like the same person that he was then like he is he looks like he's probably the same age he's yeah (laughs) but he's unbelievably uh warm and generous and uh did you see that movie of course yeah i mean he's 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 astonishing and i think his new movie is going to be amazing too The Danish. oh yeah the danish girl he just looks incredible and he's he's a he's a unbelievable he's more a,
0: he, is he more along the lines of um who we were just talking about Daniel Day-Lewis. yeah yeah kind of right well, i
1: think yeah I, I think there is there is a there is a, a yes yeah without question there is a, an, an element of uh well my theory on acting is i think that there is two there are two types of actors in the world and that's it there are only two actors in the world and there are aliens and there are humans yeah. and neither are better <laughs> right. genuinely sure neither are better there is no better right. in this they, we just watch them in different ways so your aliens are uh you know uh, daniel day lewis mark rylance merle street Rafe fines where you look and you go i don't know how they're doing that merle street, this is right? amazing yes yeah. you go well she might be one of the few who cross over oh, but okay. yeah um, and I know what you're saying, but you go, I, you look at them on a pedestal, and go, "This is astonishing to me. I don't know how they're doing that." Yeah. And then there are actors who, whoever they're playing and whatever they're doing, are representing us, the audience. Yeah. Uh, Philip Seymour
0: Hoffman, sure, is
1: a great example of someone who is astonishing and amazing, and yet finds a humanity, right? Which you always it, it, it is representing. Can't hide it. Yeah, you, and so. You can watch, like, Mark Rylance or Benedict Cumberbatch playing Hamlet. And then you can watch uh, one of my favorite actors in the world, an actor called Simon Russell Beale, with the same text. And one you're watching going, oh, my goodness, this is, I don't know how this is happening. And the other one going, oh, well, that's me up there.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know? I like that's, that.
1: And I think Eddie is, is, is an alien. alien. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you are a human. Yes. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's a a beautiful way to look at it.
1: That's just what I've always thought, and 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 I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any better or worse. It's just it's just the way that you you know Ray finds what Ray finds astonishing actor, unbelievable. But watch him in Made in Manhattan with uh, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, and he doesn't seem at
0: home. (laughs) 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 You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's not. It's it's interesting because a lot of those people. Are not uh, they're not like they're not leading men in the way that like uh, they're not they're not thought of for a romantic comedy. They're not you know they're, they're they need to they do something larger than life.
1: Yes, yeah, and
0: and something that that it, it, like you said is unexplainable. It's a transformation that you right.
1: can't imagine you would ever be able to understand. Jo- Johnny Depp, Fassbender. I think. Oh, Johnny okay. Depp, same. Michael, but, you know, Fassbender.
0: Same but Johnny thing. Depp's one of those interesting guys, and maybe Fassbender will turn out to be, but I don't think so. That Johnny Depp, like, it's rare that an alien becomes like a, a movie star personality yes do you, you know yes. what i mean like very rare. even somebody like clooney yeah who is like one of the greatest movie stars we've ever had mm-hmm. uh is is definitely a human yes uh and 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 not unlike you know even these people like johnny depp who is arguably a, a great movie star but he secretly is an alien
1: without question i yeah. don't even think secretly i think just it's 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 true it's it's a. Uh, it's an alien thing, like, and and, I, and his performance in Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. is as astonishing as any other performance you'll see. Because you're like, with this text, <laughs> this text, <laughs> this whole idea, yeah. you're making me believe in this guy. This <laughs> right. is amazing, right. you know. Um Did you uh, see Black Mass? Uh, it just—I haven't seen it yet, but just it looks
0: incredible. Out. Oh, it's heavy, dude. Yeah, it looks amazing. He's great. Yeah, he's great in it.
1: Yeah, of course he is. I mean, he's. But you're right but that thing with like george clooney is a perfect example where george clooney whether it's michael clayton
0: or it's what a great movie that is oh no one talks about God. that fucking movie
1: it is amazing you know what saddens film? me
0: about like you know about there's movies like that that are clearly sort of grown-up sophisticated mm-hmm. intelligent movies and it, it really, like, no one talks about that movie, but it's a fucking great, it's a masterpiece, that movie.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, more people talk about that movie than talk about others. It's quite, it's very odd. Some movies feel like they're just posters.
0: Yeah, no, now, definitely. Do you know what I
1: mean? They are. It's like, oh. I won't yeah. go because of a poster. Oh, that's a poster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Won't it's go. very strange. But, um, <clears throat> you know, yeah, that, Clooney's just uh, just a phenomenal uh Presence, a yeah, charisma it's, it's, that is unquantifiable. Actually, yeah, yeah. But in, yeah. And he loves
0: it. I mean, I think that's the other thing about movie stars versus actors. Yes, is that you know movie stars you know thrive.
1: They're good at it. They're yeah. good at the
0: whole thing. The Will whole Smith, thing.
1: Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tom Cruise is a lesson. They should show Tom Cruise on talk shows. <laughs> To actors in uh, <laughs> drama schools going, if you become famous,
0: yeah. this is how you should be on a talk show. Not on Oprah specifically, should- but maybe on other ones.
1: Yeah, but just look like you're happy to be there. Right. That's bo- basically, if you look like you're thrilled to be there, yeah.
0: you're halfway through. Yeah. And, you're- and do it to a degree that they don't even care if you're hiding things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> how, how, you just you just come out and just, oh, this is a fantastic. This is great. That's the way to do it.
0: Yeah, he's. Uh, he, I think he's, uh, I, I've always uh, said about Tom Cruise is that what he's really good at is focusing. And hanging off of things that you give him something to focus on intensely or something to hang off of, it's great. I love him, Tom yeah. Cruise. Oh, I yeah. genuinely—I just watched Magnolia again.
1: Oh, that film! That film <laughs> is
0: uh, genuinely—I think it might be my favorite movie. It's I I I sort of like um I was sort of hard on it initially, but then I watched oh. it again and I was like, wow! I don't—I didn't even remember seeing the last third of that movie. Well, it's, and it's amazing
1: the bravery in that film which is where i think like paul thomas anderson is probably the best film director i think around in recent years yeah. is that film's got two openings mm-hmm. the the sheer bravery of that movie to then like every i've never i don't remember a time i've been as aware that i'm loving something the first time i'm watching it <laughs> i remember being in the cinema going well i'm loving this film <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, what well, I'm in. I'm in the music, dun dun, dun, dun dun The whole thing is this. This cannot be coincidence. This surely cannot be right. that. And then when they burst into song, that's the Amy Man track. And then the frogs falling from the sky. You're like, what? You've done it. You've <laughs> done it. You've got this film made. In a world in which this is everything you'd ever want to do. Yeah. It's just astonishing.
0: Oh, it's beautiful to hear.
1: Oh, William H. Macy, Chris oh, Kidd, Donnie
0: Smith. Yeah. Oh, I mean, come yeah. on. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, Moore oh, is God.
1: unbelievable
0: Jason in that Jason Robards, it's crazy. Oh,
1: it's wall to wall. Some of the best performances. John C. Reilly. Great. It's also well worth watching. The There's some outtakes on the DVD where John C. Reilly looks like he's the most fun person to work with on the planet.
0: Yeah, I uh, I bet you he is. Yeah, it's so funny because the first guy on IMDb is Pat Healy. Yeah, <laughs> how did that happen? I don't know. All right, so you do Martin Gare. Yes. And then you do the History Boys, which was a big break. Well,
1: that was quite a while after that. I did um, I did a movie after that with a director called Shane Meadows. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Shane's work. He's. Uh, I did a film called Twenty Four Seven. It's a black and white boxing movie with Bob Hoskins.
0: Oh, and fucking Hoskins! Oh
1: man incredible and um and that film ma- i managed to get a, a an agent in london and then i had i had worked a bit different tv things little bits here and there and then i was in this play called the history boys which
0: was a real turning point my it. my assistant sort of like using the original cast like, yeah, he's a real actor it was, guy.
1: it was a real um i mean as, as as plays go yeah it was i mean incredible and you know it's alan bennett Nicholas Heitner who I think is the best theatre director in the world, I really do, and um, yeah, and it was just just a thing. Which you know, you sign up for a play for six months, and then three years later, you're still doing it. But you've you've travelled, you've made a movie of it, and you've travelled to Hong Kong, New Zealand, Australia, and then we finished by doing sort of six and a half months on Broadway.
0: Did you think that? Do you think that sort of made that solidified your your sort of place? That that gave you the well,
1: uh, oddly it. (sighs) it kind of didn't because i'd done quite a bit of tv work and i'd done a i'd done a i did a film with mike lee called uh, how was that amazing which, which movie was that? i did a movie called all or nothing with Mike I, Lee.
0: like his movies are just like i i one of the great um sadnesses in my life is that i have not and i can i can fix it <laughs> is that i haven't kept up with his movies
1: well this one is particularly dark and i'm very very proud of it, it, it i play Timothy Spall and Leslie Manville's son, and it's uh-huh. basically the whole film is set across a weekend on one estate in London, and it's. Uh, I think there are real moments of beauty in the film. As uh, Sally Hawkins is in the movie, I'm Dan, just trying to
0: figure out if I if I've seen Daniel it. Wh- which what was it about? It's
1: set on a council estate in London. It's basically about the the inhabitants of that council estate. It's hard to pinpoint. What's a council exactly. estate? A council estate is a, uh, a council a, estate is a, a house where basically the the state is as you put people up in these high rise blocks of flats oh, okay in, a, in quite a rough area of London and and it's just about it's about love and family really is what it's actually about but it's it's a tough watch but I had done that and I've done the film with Shane and I've done a couple of TV things so when the History Boys happened yeah and became this unbelievable play uh, all of the boys there was eight, eight boys similar age in the film uh, yeah all coming in with these film scripts under their arm for different roles they're being considered for or offered for yeah. and I would get like the two pages of that script for like the guy who plays a news agent or so you were a punchline yeah or like a bubbly judge in something and I'd be like oh I always thought that I would oh okay and it felt like people at home were saying oh no we think you're very good we think you're very good for this. You're really not <laughs> going to be the star, are you? You know, and uh, and so that was when myself and my friend Ruth Jones, who is an unbelievable actress uh, and writer at home, she hadn't written anything at home before this, and nor had I. And we just said, um, we should. Uh, why don't we write a TV show together? So I, I had been at a wedding where I. I sort of came back thinking I don't know that anyone had shown a wedding on television like one I'd actually been to Yeah, and we started talking about maybe writing a show about our couples and family and um, we wrote this show called Gavin and Stacey which to everybody's surprise it, it launched on a, on a small cable channel called BBC Three which not everyone in the UK has and our first episode launched with like five hundred thousand viewers and, and by the time we ended That's it, big, right? That's not uh, it's not big for, it wasn't big then. Right. It wasn't small for now that it's channel. Huge. It wasn't small for that channel, but it was kind of fine. Right. And then we um when we ended the show, we did like twenty two episodes over three years. We did we only do seasons of six or seven episodes. I home. love that about
0: British television.
1: Yeah, it makes sense to me. And we um by the time we ended it, it, we ended it on BBC One, and I think we had like 14 million viewers tuned wow. in. For so like the it's a, last it was on episode. the air for
0: three three years.
1: Yeah, and it sort of became it pretty much became like the number one comedy in the country.
0: That well, I, I, well, that's amazing because I, I don't know the show because I I, I did not uh, like I'm not up to speed. With British comedy British mm. television, like I'm sad that I don't know who Ronnie Barker is, but I didn't grow up with it. Sure. I mean, I know it's available and I could have done a little more research, but I, I guess it's just not going to happen for me and you. That, no, I'm not, not yeah. going to be like, I, know, I it's, love it's, that well, one a long episode. Time ago.
1: But people do, um, I do get occasional people like uh, Kristen Shaw was on the show the other day. And, yeah. And, and, and it was a, I, I'm, thrillingly for me who's a big fan of the series well
0: there's definitely people in my community in the comedy community who are huge anglophile you know like british comedy fans yeah but i've always it's sort of fascinating to me the the intimacy of 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 what i picture the bbc's business model to be and that the opportunity they seem to give comedic talent because there's a lot of people i've talked to in here um like Dylan Moran mm-hmm. um, and, you know, like uh, uh, Simon Pegg and yeah. Edgar Wright. Yeah. I, I've not talked to Ricky Gervais, but it seems that, you know, if you have a profound comedy talent and you have a, an idea that you'll get a shot. Well, Ricky is Ricky and Stephen are, are the best example,
1: I think, where they made a little short film. Stephen was on, I think, uh, I think Stephen Merchant was on a, a BBC Young Directors thing while yeah. he was also working... At, the radio station with with Ricky and Carl Pilkington and uh, he made a little I think like five or six minute teaser with this character that Ricky used to do around the place called CD Boss and then the BBC said oh will you make a pilot we'd we'd like to make a pilot and and what's amazing is Ricky and Stephen said well we'd like to direct it and the BBC went okay having no prior experience no prior and and that's where for me the BBC are incredible like we made our show with um, for the BBC through a company uh, called Baby Cow which is run by Steve Coogan and Henry Normal and we would take all of our notes from the BBC or from Henry or from Steve would be um, they would all start with this is your show no one knows this show better than you So what we're giving you now are not notes, they're suggestions. And if you don't like them, throw them in the bin. And if you do, take them, but it's your show. And so immediately, as a creator of a show, you are so much more open to hearing a network's um, point of view Mm -hmm. on your show, as opposed to we don't like this on page three and this has got to change on page five. And we also think this character needs more of a thing. You're immediately on a defensive of like, whoa, hang on. Stop trying to change my show. Yeah. What are you doing? So, and I kind of think that's, that's a place where uh, American networks in a narrative sense for, for narrative programming could really, uh, could really learn from that. I think
0: I, I, yeah, I don't know what the, 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 difference in, in the business model for, for how American television was sort of built you know, on towards moving towards syndication or, or holding viewers uh, in a certain way, a lot of that stuff has fallen away. So you get a lot of these people that you can't even trust. Yeah. So I imagine that having the BBC who trusted Steve Coogan, I imagine because he had that. What was his famous character? Well, Alan they, Partridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, they yeah they they just well what they do, but but even more so than that, like to trust Ricky and Stephen, two guys working at a radio station, to go, yes, we will let you direct, produce, and write this series.
0: Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Is unheard of, actually. Yeah. And lo and behold, that freedom, that freedom creates what I think is one of the greatest sitcoms that's ever been made. Yeah. You know, it, I, I really do believe. And the that. British office, what? There's only like twelve episodes, right? Um. Yeah. There's. I think there's twelve and a Christmas and two right. sort of a, a sort of
0: what ninety minute sort of Christmas special. I love that. Yeah. They just and, it, and it's sort of like I guess because. You know, you don't have this grail of 100 episodes making a billion dollars that, you know, you can sort of, you know, limit your expectations, do as many as you think are necessary. Or Well, that's
1: or... that's what I would often say to friends of mine. I remember telling... Uh, I forget who it was. I was saying what, what Ruth and I earned for Gavin and Stacey. And he nearly fell off his chair at how low it was. He's yeah. like, you're mad. What are you doing? An American? And I said, and yeah. And I said, no, no. I said, you're absolutely right. I said, however, what we... Lose financially compared comparatively, right? I always thought we were being paid very, very well. Well, that's the thing is but, like
0: when we started this conversation, I mean, it, it's nice to earn an honest living, of course, for doing what you do,
1: yeah. But, uh, but, but what really counts is, is a you have this creative freedom which, which is unheralded, you don't you're making the show that you want to make, and b it's never going to be pulled off the air. It, you'll always get to tell your story. Now, granted, come the end of it, you might be telling that story to four people. But I can remember when we were writing Gavin and Stacey and when I wrote my, the, the next show I wrote with my friend Matthew Baines in the show The Wrong Mans, all we would say is, how great would it be if this was just one person's favourite show? <laughs> if sat round a dinner table somewhere, someone said, oh, you know the show I love? gavin and stacy and everyone goes i haven't seen it What yeah. is it? and they go nice i love it that's all we were ever really hoping for <laughs> you know hoping for like awards and you know right did you like win that. awards
0: uh we did yeah. yeah 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 so you did like you did several you did that sitcom which was your own you, you appeared on a lot of stuff you've done all the things that one does as a television personality in britain mm. and then you do this huge movie uh into the woods with Merle Streep, who must have been amazing to work with. Phenomenal, yeah. How was it like being with an alien?
1: It's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, she is... Uh, I've never really worked with anybody quite like it, actually. There's nobody like it. Well, also, she... Um, the greatest thing I can say about her, and it's, it's my favorite thing in, in people, is when she takes her work unbelievably seriously she is incredibly serious about the work that she does and she doesn't take herself seriously at all right and that for me makes for the perfect person to work with (laughs) because I there's there's I, I really can't bear I don't like it when people don't take their work seriously. And the only thing I hate more than that is when people take themselves very seriously. And, and if they're doing both think, of those. Oh, it's just the pits. When people think that they're, you know,
0: changing the world. And like, they're not putting the work in. Yeah, work. but
1: um, she is astonishing.
0: Yeah, Amazing. Was just she, amazing? was she nice?
1: Oh, my God. Beyond nice. Like yeah. nicer than nice. She's so aware of how you feel when she walks in the room <laughs> that she just does everything she can to put you at ease in right. that situation. I, right. I just I, I love and adore her.
0: Yeah. So now there's I'll just I'll, I'll lay it out here in America. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a comedian and as somebody who talks to people that, yeah. you know, when that spot opened up on the Late Late Show yeah. Yeah, and they were auditioning people that I knew, I, I, I never got the call, but that's fine. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But then, you know, out of nowhere, we're all like, who? Yes. Your- absolutely. <laughs> who the fuck is James Corden? What of you, course. What, what's that? Yeah. But it, it was sort of like, it, it was unprecedented in a way, you know, that that, that process. What? How did that come about? Oh, I don't even really know. You don't? Well, I you mean. You just got a call from your agent? No, I'll tell you how I don't.
1: I had uh, come to America and I was, I had. A, and this had, is sort of off, you know, it's
0: off course for you in a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I had
1: done a play in New York called One Man, Two Governors. Uh-huh. And uh, and it was an, a really great play, a brilliant play. And I had some very nice reviews from it. And, and I won the Tony Award that year. And uh, I didn't know this, but like, Nina Tesla, the president of CBS, and Les Moonves, who's CBO, C- yeah. the CEO of CBS, had seen that play and uh, and were quite determined for me to do something on their network. I didn't know any of this at yeah. all, so I um I had sort of I had an idea to make a TV show, and I was going to make this TV show and hear yeah, and uh, I had an idea for a narrative comedy, basically about heartbreak and how and and. Uh, and relationships and, and things like that and um so you had a pitch um yeah i had like a few fragments of ideas yeah. and i talked to people and i was very very wonderfully i had a and i decided that i was going to make the show f- for hbo and uh and i i went and, and i saw les Moonves and nina tasler and we were talking about this and then we started talking about late night mm-hmm. um, and we had some talks about late night and i said and I was just saying, I, th- I think you've got, I was saying, I think that Stephen Colbert is the the best appointment they could ever make. Mm-hmm. I said, I think it's amazing. And I said, and I think the trick after that show is you've got to sit the other end of the seesaw. I think there is no point having two shows that are similar back to back. like Operating the, at the same intensity. Nowhere else yeah. in television would you say from nine till 10, we're going to have a medical drama and then 10 till 11, we're going to have another medical drama with the same diseases. Yeah. And uh, and they just sort of were going, Well, what would you do? And I was like, Well, I think I would bring all the guests out together at the same time and try and make it feel a bit more conversational. I'd sort of try and do a bit more like sketch silliness, songs, dances, just silly things. Like try and give people, make people smile because Stephen's going to take care of politics. He's going to take care of all of that, and we we would just like to be a place, a warm place that would make you smile before you fall asleep. And um. And, and, and i wasn't really even really, really sort of pitching you weren't, you weren't selling I it talking about yeah. it in general and they and and then and then they said what well, i like to do it and i felt very very reticent about it i really wasn't Why? because i just didn't hadn't considered it as something that i would want to do and i didn't think it was something that i wanted to do and i i i, I, I love acting so much i really do i love being part of a company i, yeah. I was enjoying the uh I was enjoying the different things I was getting to do. So I was going to write this show for HBO and I was going to do a, a Broadway revival of a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, Mm -hmm. uh, the Stephen Sondheim musical. And and that, and I I was going to do both of those things. And then the more I thought about it, the more it just became clear to me that, that, that there was no way I wouldn't regret this and that I would much rather taking the opportunity. Yeah. That I would rather regret doing something than not doing something. Sure. Like, and if it doesn't work, if it's just awful, then then I I'll just go home, you know? And <laughs> and uh and then I started thinking about it and thinking, well, actually, for my family right now, yeah. at this point in our lives, to be around them mm-hmm. in the way like I actually made the decision in South Africa when I was Skyping my son on my birthday from a
0: hotel. Prison.
1: No, a prison in Johannesburg. We were filming in a prison in Johannesburg and for I was what? like for a TV show I'd written called The Wrong Man for yeah. the BBC and I was like this is only going to get harder like my wife was pregnant at the time I was like leaving them and and from what I can work out no one really ends up on a therapist's chair going my dad was just around too much right. <laughs> he gave me too many cuddles at the weekend and and they were so unbelievably open and receptive to making the show whatever we'd like it to be I thought, okay, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll jump, yeah, and, and we'll see, you know, and and I feel, still feel like we're sort of still jumping, really, uh, you know, and you know, I, I'll, I'm interested to see where it lands.
0: Did you feel like um, that there was a sort of uh, this guy's who the fuck do you think he is? I didn't actually. I don't until you I, sat here.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't uh, because I, I, I guess I never really saw it as that sort of slot. I didn't really see it. Right. I, I always thought, yes, of course. Like If you were going into like the slot that Stephen's just taken on, yeah. then, yeah, I think I would absolutely feel that. But I think I thought, oh, okay, well, I was very conscious of the fact that when we needed to hit the ground running. Right. That we needed to have a really good first few weeks. Like, that there was no time mm-hmm. to explore and I oh, will find out what the show is on the air. Like, I, I felt that very much. Did you do that? I think so yes. I think we had I think our first I'm, I'm immensely proud of our first episode I feel like it it gave us I feel like any, if anyone was waiting to say so those things yeah that I feel like in our first episode this the, 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 the best we could hope for was alright uh, yeah oh, okay it goes alright alright you, right. All right, you know putting a lot of energy in alright yeah yeah, yeah yeah you yeah. know like we the, the, the bit we did with Tom Hanks yeah. I feel is like a really strong solid bit we did a a sketch that I thought was like a, you know, a pre-taped film sketch and yep. you've got good I, writers I know those guys some, yeah and I, and I was very conscious of wanting to find people who hadn't necessarily written in Late Night before you know young and, guys and, yeah young guys who, who would be hungry to make a, a young and vibrant show that
0: well, yeah well, it's sort of interesting because you came in with that you know, you know, that tiredness, you know that, <laughs> that, that It's very funny because you know, when you talk about the work mm. you, early on, when you're, when you're on stage or doing that, there's something there's something a little thankless about a, at a daily show. Yes. Because like even like because there was a big re- realization I had when I used to appear on Conan a lot. like I sure. the old show, and, and now I do this show a lot. But when I go do Conan, which was four times a year, three or four times a year, five times a year, like I'd get off and I'd be like, all right, where's, yeah. the, where's the party? Where's yeah, the, yeah. That feeling of sort of, I did it. And then shine. you just realize just a bunch of fucking people at work. It's just the yeah, same yeah. the next day. And, yeah. yeah. And, and that is, And, that, and I, that, it made me respect them more.
1: Well, that is the best and worst thing about it mm-hmm. because the truth is, if you, there is, a, there is another show tomorrow. So if you do one where you've, Missed the mark slightly. Oh, I thought that idea was gonna be there. Just yeah, I didn't really Yeah. Right. I don't know why happened. But you go, Do you know what it's gone? There's another one tomorrow. Right, right. Where it's where it's hard is when you go, Oh, that um that was a good show. Yeah. Like we had a show last night, Mel Brooks was on the show, I did a sketch with Mel Brooks, I did a stupid dance with River Dance, and uh, we had a pre taped bit which was me and Joe Theisman throwing fast food at each other as a as a stunt driver from fast and the furious drove through a Uh drive-thru and i was like that felt like a good show yeah and it's and it's It's gone gone now (laughs) that's it it's gone (laughs) like you're like right okay yeah next show okay here we go you know and that's it but there's something very um gratifying about that and you just you know you just got to get your head down and just keep going for it and just keep working. And Is just...
0: the uh, is the group format working? Because I did the show mm. and I had a nice time and I noticed uh, a couple of things that, that stood out for me having done a lot of those kind of panel shows is that, one, um, there were not enough dressing rooms for me and I was I was put into a weird someone's well, office.
1: No, that was not your fault. That was that was not our fault. That was because, I'll tell you why that was, that Wiz Khalifa and yeah. Fallout Boy Yeah were performing together... On another show. Were we taping were pre-taping yeah. it for another show, but we didn't yeah. have a musical act on your show. And right. they were they were very much coming as a f- collective. Right. And uh, Wiz Khalifa did not think that and just <laughs> went into your room and went, I'll go in here and shut the door and lay down, which uh, is... Not ideal. That's the only time that's ever happened. Well,
0: I'm glad I had it. That's the it only a, time that's I, ever I happened. I'm glad I had a single experience. In you really, did. someone else's. And I office. promise the next time you come back, you will have Literally, I get there. It was room. funny because I get there. There's this great dressing room. There's yes. food out. There's a party going on. And they're like, no, no, no. You're and in Josie's office. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, I'm they, really they sorry. They walk that. me outside. I'm truly sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I it, really am. I was, I, it was.
1: It was. It was. It's fine. It was so far beyond our control. Well, because I because like, Wiz is not someone you really just go. into. yeah, do. yeah. He Dude, just doesn't out. have that. Yeah, yeah he doesn't yeah. have that. No, vibe. I, I
0: understand. I'm, I'm just busting balls. But the um, the thing that because I'm I'm sort of fascinated with the dynamic of, mm. of creating a not necessarily a, a panel, but like having more people out there at once yes. with, without a topic specific show. You don't see that much. In America, like, yes. you, you know, Politically Incorrect used to do a thing where they'd have four people out, but, yeah. you know, you had things that we were all, everyone was commenting on the same thing. Yeah. And to generate a, a genuine conversation in yes. that environment is tricky. And I noticed it was it was me, Jason Siegel, and Carl Reiner. And I think that the wild card was that, and I don't know, I'm just going to ask you, like, I've interviewed Carl before, and, you know, he's obviously amazing, and, yeah. you know, he's an elder spokesman. And, yes. and, and and But that's also the thing that you realize once he's out there, it's like, you, you, you can't really interrupt the well, no, you
1: can't, and and that's. But then, you know, I just find great pleasure in that, and I just think, I just, mostly it's. Well, you know,
0: does it just, work in general? Are you finding that the guests are playing off each other? Yes, and that, oh, very good. much so. Like,
1: but yeah, very much, and and I think, um, I think guests enjoy. I think lots of guests enjoy uh, the. Um, the notion of not just a fixed eight minutes it's on there. I think actually, oddly, because you you would imagine it would be different, but when you think about it, it makes complete sense. I think the the people who feel uh, least comfortable, I think, uh, in that environment are comedians because you are um, comedians. Uh, the very notion of being a stand-up comedian is Solitary. I talk... You listen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing some stories. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. And that is the format of lots of talk shows. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Lots of talk shows are, you know, if you're a stand-up, oh, I've got a great thing about uh, supermarkets. Sure. So if yeah. if you could ask me a question about right. going to the supermarket, right. that right. would be wonderful. Yeah. And that, that is is kind of difficult to juggle on our show because you never quite know where We're the conversation's sure. going to undulate and move to. The only thing I think is... I think let me. I mean, I think there are five other shows where the guests come out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, come out individually. Yeah. And ultimately, it just comes from a place of like, we have to give the show a reason to exist. It, we can't. It is not enough just because there has always been a late late show after the late show that there should be. Yeah. We've got to give it a a reason, and we've got to make it feel and look different. Yeah. You know reggie in it but you know yeah i know it's just like a phenomenal presence in that environment and um
0: i yeah. found it good i found it refreshing and in 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 like uh for me as a comic who's who's done the story format yeah you know when i heard it was gonna be me and jason who i know yeah and carl who i've interviewed yeah you know, might i i wasn't i wasn't upset at all and sort of like how am i going to get this in i was no, sort of, of like course. i was sort of like oh, this can be easy well that's it and that's <laughs> that's the truth of it that's what most people find is
1: actually it's a joyous thing where you think well actually if this was if 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 in fact we took these cameras away and this was a dinner table and we were all eating yeah. this would be joyous yeah. this would be great like we had a show with uh, jane fonda lily tomlin and elizabeth banks and i've just never had more fun just the three layers, and we were just chatting. We, it genuinely, I didn't get through half of the car. So you asked, that's great. I didn't so get through you, half So the you card.
0: didn't have to be self-conscious?
1: No, because you go, with okay, we talked about this project and then we're going to talk about this project later. So actually, this is, so when, uh, Lily Tomlin's talking about something and Elizabeth Banks asks a question and it's not mine. The joy of sitting back (laughs) and watching that flow is wonderful. And some nights are harder than others, but then that's the case for all talk shows. Yeah.
0: And how are you easing into the monologue and everything? How are you feeling about it?
1: I'm finding that... uh, Well, again, that's another sort of thing where we try to do something... You know, to not do 15 jokes but, but like just, but gun just in, in,
0: interacting with an audience as James Corden. I'm
1: enjoying that. I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying. We have some really terrific writers who come together and we just tend to do the monologue about one topic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that,
1: which is, very easy some days and much harder other days. Sure. And that's the truth. Well, because you're in.
0: Like, yeah. if midway through the thing's not working, you're like, oh, boy.
1: Well, what you can't do is go, in other news,
0: <laughs> right. Donald We're, Trump said, yeah, you know, yeah. the idea can't of doing... Bail. Yeah, but we, you know, I
1: feel we've had some, we've had some really good ones. We've had some ones that I'd like to do better. But we, you know, I've, I'm start. what I'm realizing is I'm finding it a lot easier to do them those monologues and things when they are about something of any substance. Sure. And I think of the, at the start we thought, Oh, our show, we'll just do stories about Facebook. Yeah. And actually what you realize is if it's about something, it doesn't have to be funny all the time. Yeah. If you're doing it about Kim Davis and uh, her coming out of jail and refusing, still refusing to issue gay marriage certificates and the prospect of her going back into prison that's a topic where you go well actually regardless of the jokes this is an interesting thing to talk about and that's where i hope that our show over the next six months we could find a little more substance and depth in that it's it's the thing i've realized that i've enjoyed doing which i think at first i thought the show would would just be like yeah, atmosphere fun, yeah. and yeah but uh, uh, and i think that we can retain elements of that but at the same time i would i would very much love the show to find a greater sense of depth uh-huh. in the places where it's possible to that's great yeah and I what's hope your so. what's your contract for uh I f- well 5 years i think oh yeah so you're in uh, yeah i mean they can sack me right. you know what i mean they can they can sack me at any point right but, I don't think I can leave. (laughs) 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 So. um, You better like it. Yeah. Better make the best of it. Yeah, well, and we're going to try to. And and I really am finding more and more out about it every day. I mean, you know, it's very, it's kind of, it's it's tough, you know, to just come in just sight unseen. Yeah. But then at the same time, there's something very freeing about that.
0: Sure. So now, like, uh, 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 to wrap up, tell me about... Like I've had a, a couple of knights in here, mm. and you're an officer of the Order of the British Empire. <laughs> yes. What, what does yes. that mean?
1: I don't. Well, it uh, I, I, it means that you you are given. It's below a knight. You're not sure. a sir.
0: Yeah. Are you but, a duke?
1: No, I don't even know if anyone's a duke anymore. I don't know. But you're an OBE. An OBE. Yes, which isn't the yeah, the order. Who gives that to you? Uh, well, it's issued by the Queen.
0: But you don't get to hang out with her.
1: Uh, I didn't get mine from the Queen. I got mine from Princess Anne. Mm-hmm. And you... Uh, yeah.
0: Was it exciting?
1: It's really exciting mm-hmm. for your parents. Oh, it's yeah. really... <laughs> and I, and I, no, no, I'm, no. And I'm saying, like, genuinely, your first thing is, ah, I should... I, I don't deserve this. I should say no to this. This yeah. is not something... <laughs> really? Yeah, you should say, ah, oh, there are so many... More, Particularly growing up in the household of two social workers yeah. of thinking, well, this is something that you getting yeah. being given this for services to drama is not. so But however,
0: then you go well. That's actually, funny because that's exactly what a social worker does. Yes, services yeah, to drama. It's a drama. Yeah, you're
1: absolutely right. Whereas actually, the truth is, um, you know, then you think, well, I, I yeah, you owe it to my, to my you know, my, for my mum and dad. Going to Buckingham Palace, sitting there, name read out, given this thing—it's it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful, lovely thing, yeah. And they they're loved like, it there. Of course, it's yeah. great. We went for dinner, we went for lunch, we had champagne. It was uh-huh. just, oh, well, that's—it was, sweet. it was lovely. And that, that is, yeah, that's so. That's, that's what sweet. that is. But I'm not entirely sure what I meant to do with it. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. That <laughs> means the world to me. <laughs> and congratulations on the show. Great is, talking man. to you. It's such a pleasure. I've
0: loved every single second of it. <laughs> Yeah, I like that James Corden guy. I would, I would have, uh, I would have uh, uh, maybe lunch with him at some time. I would sit across from him again and and chat about things. See that? See what's going on with that? I I can play guitar a little bit.